Turn the TV on. Let's watch a good show. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See how the gospel goes in a getaway car. There's lots of bad guys. Jesus Christ, superstar. He's got the power to baptize. When God closes a door, God leads you up the stairs. Leave your earthly cares on the second floor. Then God cracks a couple skulls. God cracks a couple more. His plate is full on the second floor. This is Infants on Thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the Quorum. Hey there, and welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm your host, Bob Caswell, and today I'm joined by fellow podcaster extraordinaire, Logan Bow. Now, Logan and I have a podcast called Practically Culture, where we like to review movies, TV shows, and sometimes even video games. Uh, You know, especially the stuff that we might not have watched or felt good about back when we were active Mormons. So we've been podcasting for around five years or so, and every once in a while we cover a Mormon-y kind of movie, which can make for some extra fun since, you know, we have even more to say about that topic, obviously. So this week, we're going to review the new documentary out called Church and State. It's available on Amazon, and it's pretty good. Um, And it's all about the story behind the legalization of gay marriage in Utah. Also, we've decided to launch something new with our podcast. We're calling it the Practically Culture Spoiler Cast. We get into it in the discussion up front, but basically, uh, for these last five years, we've only talked about movies like everyone else seems to, which is to say that we try not to spoil them and we keep the discussion to a few minutes. Um, But now we're going to try to change that. And we've got kind of an extended cut. And you know, there are spoilers here. But uh, at the same time, don't worry, we're talking about a documentary here. So at least for this first one, it's debatable if it's spoilery, spoilerable, spoilery, spoilerable, uh, whichever one of those is the word. Anyway, without further delay, have a listen as Logan and I review Church and State. Enjoy. This is the Practically Culture Spoiler Cast, a podcast devoted to diving deeper on the TV and movies, maybe sometimes the video games that we and you are into. I'm your host, Logan Bow, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and I'm joined, as always, by the one, the only Bob Caswell in the Bay Area. How are you, Bob? Hey, I'm doing great. This is fun. I see you. Uh, yeah, having a good time. How are you? Just hanging out. You know me. Nice. This week we spoil church and state, and we'll also talk about what we're consuming and even make a top five or so list by the end. If you like what you hear, look for us on your usual podcast app and at practicalculture.com. We recommend you check all that out if you're into the show. We're spoiling TV, movies, and probably sometimes video games. It's the Practical Culture Spoiler Cast. Let's rock. Oh, man. It is good to be here bob we're not really back (laughs) from anything are we (laughs) um but yeah we've been thinking about expanding our efforts with practical culture for a while but the idea of adding a spoiler cast specifically was yours so i'm going to put you on the spot here why Uh spoiler cast why am i interested in this you know it's just because we we don't get to talk about everything we want to talk about every time we talk about a movie or a tv show maybe even especially tv shows but it's pretty true for movies there's just a thing out there People, when they talk about movies, the first thing they think is, oh, how do I talk about this so that I don't spoil it for others? And the first thing I think is, 
why aren't we talking about this among friends who've seen it? <laughs> we need more of that. And it just doesn't seem to exist for some reason. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great way to, to put it. For me, I like the idea of having like a broader conversation than reviews usually allow for. And I guess that's kind of aligned with what you're saying. Yeah, it's just less constraint, uh, less, less putting ourselves in a box to fit the widest way of communicating to people who are just completely clueless. I mean, if you've seen the movie, you're on the inside. You know what's going on. And if you haven't seen it, I think we're going to play with this a bit. But um, there are reasons that you don't want to see a movie, but then you want it spoiled for you. At least I think. I think that would be fun if people did that for me. Um, sure, so sure. We'll see if that uh, works. I'm also looking forward to bringing in extra content and placing things in the larger cultural conversation context-wise. And, uh, you know, we'll get you all prepared for your water coolers, cocktail parties, awkward silent moments on dates, whatever. <laughs> um, but one of the things I do want to do are here on the spoiler cast is take the opportunity to chat briefly about what we've got on the radar for spoiling in the future. So, you know, TV we're watching, movies we've got our eye on, video games we're in the middle of and we want the other to catch up on so we can talk about them, stuff like that. So I'll go first, Bob. Okay. I finally got the old HBO pumping back into my culture veins. I hadn't had it since moving away from my last place and into my new one. So I'm behind, Bob, behind. That's okay. We'll let it, we'll let it pass because we're just getting started. But I'm so excited that you're like re- re- rearing up, ready to go. It's going to happen. You're going to start watching all the serious so- shows because I just finished Succession and I was thinking that is something that needs to be on the spoiler cast, but maybe the moment will pass by the time we both do it. Anyway, that's just one example of how I'm excited because more of those types of shows will Let's be able to cover. Let's not let that happen. I, okay. I saw the first episode and it's, it's been very buzzy, so we definitely need to do that. That's exactly what we're doing this for. Okay. Um, one of the ones I'm getting a late start on, though, is Barry. Did you watch Barry? No, although you'd think I would have because of what's-his-name from Saturday Night Live that Bill I confused. Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader. <laughs> I was going to say, what's-his-name who I confuse with what's-his-face? There's a few <laughs> of them that if you don't keep track they their names blend together but anyway sorry bill um it looked gimmicky you know but it looked fun i don't know did it did it do well in the on the buzzometer uh it actually has done well on the buzzometer and i'm actually really liking it it's pretty good you're right it looked gimmicky but it's uh it's got more depth to it than that i guess uh that's a nice thing about hbo most of the time they're good not always Mm. Um, but succession like you say i've watched an episode of that need to cruise through that because we need to strike while the iron is hot yeah um anything anything you've got cooking tv video games or upcoming movies wise oh i was gonna say maybe sharp objects the new one uh Mm. with amy adams on hbo since you've got hbo uh i don't know how i feel about it i've only seen the first episode um but if i have a reason to watch it with you (laughs) i'll keep watching um it seems it seems very you know it's from the people behind gone girl and uh the director from big little lies it's got like a really power house of talent behind it so yeah i'd put it on the list sure awesome awesome well cool we'll cope hopefully keep having these conversations and uh let people know what we're what we've got coming down the pike uh for our future spoiler casts but ready to get to this let's do it okay church and state a surprise federal court ruling in 2013 legalized gay marriage for utah triggering a fierce battle in a state where mormon church values control the legislature and every aspect of public life it's a documentary directed by Holly Tuckett and Kendall Wilcox. Um, that's about as much interest, I suppose, I need to give. What did you think, Bob? So this, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a documentary. We've been through this. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether to say up front what I thought or if, you, if I want people to formulate their opinion as I talk about it, but I, I actually really liked it and I do recommend it. If I were to uh, sum it up 
you know, briefly with a few words, I'd say it's definitely procedural. It walks through a lot of the process of how the law works for how you'd think it would work for legalizing gay marriage in places where it hasn't been. Um, it's beautifully shot, but it's also sometimes confusing. So uh, I think there's a lot to talk about here. So I don't, I don't know if that's the intro you were looking for, but that's what I got to say if I were to try to sum it up uh, briefly. All right. Well, I was going to give a short take that's vaguely similar to the mini review we did on our main show. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, so I'll just throw it out there. I, uh, I like Church and State, but uh, it is hard to find an intrinsic story thread that uh, keeps me enthralled. And I would probably recommend it to those with an interest in gay rights activism or Utah history and culture, but not other people. <laughs> but then, Logan, wouldn't you be a bad person if you're not interested in one or both of those topics. So you're basically saying you only recommend it to people who are good people. Uh, probably, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a bad person. I think okay. <laughs> Just double checking. <laughs> so I, so I'm sympathetic, I guess. Okay. Um, but I don't know what I was really expecting when I sat down to watch church and state, but I don't know if it was quite this. Um, I guess the lawyer in me thought it might focus more on the legal issues and the inside baseball, since that's what I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure why, but, that's probably not necessarily the most interesting stuff to most people. Uh, but what is it about? And, you know, if I'm honest, I sort of lost the thread at times. It starts off following this guy, Mark Lawrence, who, from what I gather, was just this dude in Utah who decided to make something happen on gay marriage. And, and he hashtag got after it. But no deep pockets, no experience with law or activism. But he, I guess he had some regrets about not being more active in gay rights movements in the past. That's the motivation here, I guess. Yeah, I want to even put a finer point on it because I I took some notes watching it and the movie starts with text on the screen and kind of the soundtrack is very um, like seriously toned. Like we're, we're talking, we're going (laughs) to, this is a historical, I mean, and I I don't mean to make light of it, even though it came across that way. It's actually very well done and it's effective. I I like the, the, the musical score actually. Um, but it starts by saying, in 2004, 66% of Utah voters passed a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage called Amendment 3. Ten years later, political outsider Mark Lawrence decided to sue the state of Utah to strike down Amendment 3. And then it cuts to uh, some shots of Utah um, and with, with the voiceover of Mark saying, people deserve to know the whole story. And I thought, oh, wow, we're really going to get into it, the whole story. Um, but that's kind of the crux of the issue here is that the movie, um, <laughs> it's very ambitious to start a documentary by saying we're going to tell you the whole story when it's like, actually, you're going to tell us about 5% of what you caught on film because that's just logistically how documentaries are made. That's not their fault. But especially with the context of the legal underpinnings and the complexity of all of the different parties involved here, I don't think we got the full story. And so the, 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 the movie's a little bit on the wrong foot almost from the very beginning, I want to say, and in hindsight. But am I being too harsh? What do you think? Oh, you're, uh, you're speaking my language. You know that I always <laughs> criticize people who think that a documentary is the objective truth or the whole story because it's nonfiction, yes, but narratives are certainly crafted um, you know, with the, uh, the editorial view of the, of the filmmakers. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, and then it even goes one step further in a way. So after saying, we're going to tell you the whole story, then it goes to like, now we're going to show you Mark's home and we're going to do this mini story about his parents and his, his dad is suffering from, from something. And it's, it's, it's very, it's very zoomed in about Mark. And I'm like, Oh, so this is going to be about 
Mark and and then he he sort of does a quick gloss over his his history of like growing up in San Francisco in the 80s and seeing, you know, activism but not really participating even though he was a gay man there. He was part of it but not part of it in the way he wanted to be. But and and I'm sorry to call this out, but one thing I noticed is we never actually learn anything about him. I mean, the whole identity of the main central person in this movie is that he is a gay man who lived in San Francisco in the past and is now trying to do something in Utah. We do learn that he was born into Mormonism, but it sounds like he left it very quickly. So he's not really Mormon in that traditional sense. Um, but what was his career? What what did he do for the 30 years between becoming an adult and doing this work in, in Utah? Like nothing. And I... I don't know. I thought that was a little bit of a gap. It either needs to be less about him or more about him, but not this weird thing in the middle. Yeah. The other thing that I found just um, even from a movie narrative point of view is about half, two thirds of the way through. It's just like, it's not his story anymore. Right. Um, like he gets kicked out and national national uh, groups sort of come in and the plaintiffs and the lawyers align themselves with their, with that. And it's interesting because he was the firebrand here, but He's not paying the bills. He's uh-huh. not one of the plaintiffs. So he actually has very little control over the case and he ends up getting kicked out, which um, whatever, that's what happened. But it, it seem, does seem weird because only two thirds of the story is his story, but they sort of brand it as his story. I was this close, Logan, to saying, spoiler alert, but we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. He, the movie kicks him out as well in a parallel sort of way because the story becomes more about the the stress and the excitement leading up to the final decision that's kind of toward the end of the movie um but it doesn't tell you that that's what it's doing necessarily it sort of gently hints at that but we but then it circles back to him in the end which i'm sure we'll talk about but yeah i i wasn't sure about that choice because i felt like for that to be effective we needed to know more about what the falling out was and, and sorry for jumping ahead, but that was one of the other things I'm sure we'll get to where whatever happened among these activists, I'm certainly not ready to take sides or <laughs> not that that's what we need to do. Well, but well, well, I don't know why I need to touch it twice. Let's, uh, let's double click while we're here. So, okay, okay. Um, so like I say, he was the firebrand. He was the one that went to the lawyers and said, hey, we've got to do something. And then the mm-hmm. lawyers sort of did it. But the lawyers were like, well, we're kind of a small law firm. We need to get paid for this. He's like, oh, no problem. That'll be cake. Like, okay, let's get started. But then um, after, after they won their district ruling, the district court ruling, um, then it was time to appeal. And then, okay, I guess one little more bit of context in there. <laughs> the national groups were really upset with, with Mark Lawrence and Lawrence for doing this because they've got their national strategy. Right. That, uh, they don't want to risk a negative ruling, so they want to do it methodically and in the right way. And this was actually pretty risky because if the court ruling would have gone the other way, it could have actually been a real obstacle for, uh, for the national gay rights movement. Anyway, but after they won their district ruling, the national um, groups were like, whoa, 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 well, let's do this right. So they come in. They also have some funding, I think, is one of the things that it, they implied. Because it does seem that way, yeah. Because Mark Lawrence, he like racked up $900,000 in bills and didn't pay any of it. Um, and so the plaintiffs, the people who the case was actually about, uh, they wanted to go with the national groups. The lawyers were like, we love you, Mark, but um, we're not a charity, so we need to get some funding here too. And he was kicked out on his ass. And that, that's actually pretty understandable to me, even though it's less romantic. Yeah, I I think that's an accurate read, and that's kind of what I got out of it. But I 
I felt bad because I kept thinking that I was missing part of Mark's story, but I don't know that I am. And I just don't know that he's going to, if he were to ever listen to this or see this, he, he might not be happy with what I'm about to say, but it seemed like he was um, just really frustrated and misunderstood. And he wanted to be the underdog. And then when uh, David was winning against Goliath and a bunch of other Davids or other Goliaths came, I don't <laughs> read too much into that analogy. Uh, although it's funny cause it's kind of religious. Um, he, he just didn't like it, but like, he just didn't like it for some arbitrary reason of wanting to keep it small. And he, he had a line here I wanted to point to where he says, you know, these people came in and they're professional homosexuals and they have to justify their six figure incomes. And it's like, wow, that's a way to, um, you know, alienate any help from people who are basically on the same side as you trying to fight for the same thing. Like he, he seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder in a way that I kept wanting to understand more, but maybe that's part of the story. And the filmmakers wanted to tell that without doing what I'm doing, which is sort of, uh, you know, analyzing Mark's intentions and just let him speak for himself. Cause he did get a lot of screen time, but in the end, I kind of want to sit down with him and, and really interview him and be like, what, what really was the problem? Cause I didn't get it. Yeah. The Mark Lawrence story would have been interesting, but this isn't the Mark Lawrence story. This is the story of um, gay marriage becoming legal in Utah in the 10th circuit. And so right. they only are fellow travelers for part of the way, but you're right. Mark Lawrence ends up going away. Yeah. And then he, he kept doing things which were kind of interesting where it was, he was saying something about somebody else, but I'm like, I think that's more accurate as a description of you. So he would say, <laughs> you know, some of the plaintiffs, they're, they're really volatile and they have to be handled really carefully. And I'm like, so far, all the evidence suggests that that's exactly how you are. Classic but, okay. projection. Yeah, classic projection. Uh, but that makes for good subject matter for a documentary. So kudos for capturing that. It's just that I was still, I was still wanting to like, you know, be like, you know, snapping in front of Mark's face and being like, hey, over here. Okay, so... I know that they've been asking you questions, but I swear I'm still missing something. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, a huge factor of this documentary is, understandably, the Mormon church. And yeah. I don't usually play it up, but you and I both largely grew up in Utah until professional school took us away. And we were Mormons up through sometime in our 20s. And yeah. I moved back here to Utah a couple of years ago. Um, not to mention we've both been involved in various post-Mormon communities and projects. So Mormonists in Utah is something we have our own perspectives on, to put it that We sure do. <laughs> um, and there's funny little references that only people like us would get where they refer to Happy Valley or, you know, there's, there's, there's Utah. People just group it in all together from the outside. But then there's like Utah County, um, which also comes up a little bit. And then there's Salt Lake and where all the heavy action is happening in terms of rallies and uh, legalistic stuff because the courthouse and I don't know anything about law Logan, the big buildings that are, you know, <laughs> in the shots. Yeah. 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 Where people get their, their job done. It's all there. But um, Utah County where, where we grew up even more specifically. Wow. There's a lot to be said for uh, the, the, the reactions and the, the people and how they double down and are just even more, what I want to say are caricatures of what was shown, but really, actually, that's not a caricature. That's pretty accurate for a certain type of Utah <laughs> County resident. Fair enough. Um, well, did you learn anything about the Mormon church's history and its take on homosexuality from this? I thought so. Um, I didn't realize uh, 
how involved the Mormon church was in this, in this um, case in, in Hawaii in the nineties, for example. So that was really interesting to me is that, uh, and, and the proclamation to the family, am I saying that right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, to be honest, you know, on the family, maybe? on the family to the family. So we just used to refer to it as the proclamation and, and the, and the documentary gets it really right in the, in that that's, it's hard to underestimate how important of a document that is. Cause from a Mormon perspective, that was considered, modern revelation. And here we are in the mid to late nineties, the prophet Gordon B. Hinckley um, over the pulpit at the main general conference is like, I've got this proclamation, you know, you know what a proclamation is people <laughs> serious business. I'm going to proclaim something here, not just a regular old talk. Um, and it was this whole thing that was ingenious as they pointed out uh, that never mentions homosexuality once, but explains how, uh, we solemnly declare that marriage is between a man and a woman and it's from God and it's for eternity. And, you know, the whole Mormon set of doctrines, which growing up were really paramount to our belief system. Um, but I, I never for a second, it's, it's embarrassing to admit now, but like I never thought that that was um, politically motivated and a political document. Somebody, one of the people interviewed is like, yeah, so then they released this political document and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you mean modern revelation? I mean, <laughs> political document. Uh, but they make a good case for it being a political document with the backdrop of this case in Hawaii and just trying, trying to set the tone for, uh, because it, it, it does say we call on local government institutions and everyone everywhere to fight for this and all this stuff. But I remember being I guess, uh, uh, bought into the, the narrative thinking like, oh yeah, this is, this is modern revelation. There's no politics here. So that was enlightening to me, as embarrassing as it sounds for me to admit. <laughs> no, I don't think that's embarrassing because I, I felt the same way. I mean, we are relatively young and not very skeptical about things that came from the church at that point. Um, yeah. But I, I buy it in hindsight, the case they made, and I, it's probably not, probably not groundbreaking for someone to make this case, but I hadn't really thought of it being specifically politically motivated, as you mentioned, either. But it did come in the wake of, the, of what was happening in Hawaii with gay marriage. Uh, mm -hmm. And Dallin Oaks wrote this legal memo on strategy opposing gay rights. And then very soon thereafter, this proclamation came out. Um, and also, the other reason I buy it is normally I give the church credit for kind of sort of staying out of political fights. But when mm. it comes to gay rights, they stick their nose out and it's always ugly for the church. But for some reason, this is the one thing where they really blow whatever political credibility they have on. Um, and uh, so the proclamation was probably in that vein too, honestly. Yeah, totally valid point. And I have to also point out that you just said the church like four times. And they also point that out in the documentary where it's like, here in Utah, we just call it the church. And everybody knows what you're talking about. It's like 70% of the population is subscribed to this institution, is, is are members of it. And that's there's like nothing like that anywhere else in the world is the point made. I haven't double checked that, but it seems, it seems valid. But uh, yeah, the church this, the church that. Um, and they're just a church, you know, except for when they're not. And this is the subject matter where that seems to be the case. So that's interesting. Um, so there is that. Uh, one more thing about the movie that I question a little more, though. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's when they have someone really playing, and I wish I'd written down his name, but he's strongly convinced that the Mormon church basically runs the legislative structure in Utah. And at one point, they show one of the state attorneys, I think, saying, no, the church had no influence on this case at all, at least directly. But then they show the guy again saying, no, trust me, I know how it works in this state. 
and it was like, yeah, okay, so we got a he said, she said here, and I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but I do live here in Utah, and I think it's a little bit overstated because they certainly suggest that the Mormon church just like pushes buttons or they make phone calls, and that's exactly what happens every time. I oh, wow. So you're, you're kind of wanting to go to bat for the church here in a way. Um, well, for the state of Utah, the, they're not oh, completely I um, driven by the church in all ways. Yeah, I, I, I did write down his name. That was Steve Urquhart. Urquhart? I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm, uh, but he, he's a former senator. He lives in St. George. Uh, he he's, was really involved in politics there for, for a couple of decades. And then the other person that you mentioned was actually the chief of staff um, I, I think it was to the attorney general or uh, she was, she was kind of saying, no, I promise you from my perspective, I never saw people come in and, and, you know, slide envelopes under the table or do any shady stuff. So that was kind of the, the, the backdrop is like, how shady is it with the church influencing the politics? I mean, that's the whole name of the movie. In fact, church and state. Um, and the one guy was saying, oh, it's pretty shady. And she's saying it's not shady at all. I felt the problem there is there was no analysis. It was just like two people yeah, with, so. with two different perspectives. And it's just he said, she said, like literally. <laughs> um, and so I just walked away thinking, oh, there's more to, to uncover there. But this documentary doesn't have much to say about the separation of church and state as much as it is about how embedded the church is in this community. Um, it's hard to say there's no smoking gun, right? So, cause yeah. I mean, people are Mormons and so the church will influence them in that sense. Yeah. But, um, I, anyway, I'd but like then say, I, I just don't know how directly it is. No, that's interesting because they also want to have their cake and eat it too, by, by kind of highlighting that as a, as a ding against, you know, organized religion, influencing politics. But then at the same time, the documentary shows a few times how, Oh, and then watch here how they embarrass themselves because they're not allowed to make uh, a religious argument. It all has to be a secular argument coming from religious people who believe these things. So it, it, it almost, to support your point, it almost showed the actual reality of how the church has to kind of fit into a secular structure when it comes to policymaking. And they didn't do a good job when, when members of the church who are theoretically fighting for this other perspective if they can't use a religious argument, then they don't have much ground to stand on. And that's kind of what's shown here. So in, in some ways, I'm thinking this out loud here in real time, but it feels like the, the, the movie almost showed how the separation is, in fact, working properly. That's sort of my take living here. I mean, one, well, whatever, I'll go into it, I guess. So I, where I used to live in Orem, um, so the Mormon congregation, the ward, was basically almost exactly the same boundaries as like the homeowners association not a hundred percent but like 95 percent and so right. it's like you talk about the neighborhood and the ward in the same way except i wasn't part of the ward but i was part of the homeowners association um but i i remember that they would try really hard to like separate church and state with hoa stuff and uh, church stuff like no let's not talk about it here um even though obviously conversations would happen there were neighborhood at church or whatever but, um, and does it, is it a complete separation? No, obviously not. But I guess maybe I extrapolate that up to where it's going to be intertwined just because life is life, but people are usually trying to separate them at least in name. That makes I sense. Know. I mean, and, and we do that all the time with, uh, just relationships with you go to work, you come home, you, 
you're the same person and you're interacting with, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reaching for a weird analogy, but it, it, it didn't suggest strongly anyway, other than some of those uh, interesting perspectives and opinions from some of the people interviewed. I didn't see any evidence of, um, uh, well, that's not entirely true either. I was going to say, I didn't see any evidence of the church, you know, overstepping into the state. But then again, we just talked about how the leadership, like Dallin H. Oaks is one of the apostles of the Mormon church, wrote that brief and they do have a lot of money and they do, you know, ask their members to knock on doors if we want to get this movie's not about Proposition 8 in California. But there are ways in which the church does overstep, but it feels like they're playing the game within the system as it's outlined. So it's hard to know if, like, what would the solution be? You know, rewriting the rules to make it even more explicit that what they're doing is wrong or are, are they already overstepping? I, it didn't really get into it and it, it was kind of hazy. And that's another story that I would have been more interested in more details about that relationship personally. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, So, I mean, it's hard to spoil documentaries, but in case someone didn't know, of course, (laughs) the end of the 10th circuit overturned any and all state bans on same-sex marriage within the circuit. And of course, within a year or two, the Supreme Court ruled similarly in different cases for the whole country. Um, I don't know. What more should we say about this, Bob? Well, what can we bring to it that people will find interesting? <laughs> well, I felt like they sort of buried the lead or or maybe I was just too caught up in the wrong aspects or following these stories, but um I just wanted to talk about it as a layperson. So this is a huge deal because this is the first time the legal system and then it had to it was going to go all the way up to the Supreme Court and I just well, I don't. Yeah. First, the first time this was a little gerrymandered to say what it was the first of, but go ahead. Oh, well, then I'm going to butcher it. Maybe I want you because you're the one with the lawyer background. <laughs> uh, I just felt like there was precedence being made and it was it was a huge moment for the gay community and just for human rights, civil rights in general. And, and it was a it was a nice it was a big victory. But I guess because of all those caveats and little asterisks on everything on what's the first time and what's the exactly like you said, the jury managing jury, you know, just kind of coming up with what actually is this and how do we talk about it? Um, maybe I don't have much more to say other than I thought it was a big deal, but it didn't seem like the, the movie made it as big of a deal as I want to say it is, but maybe it's as it's supposed to be. I don't know. Well, I think it was kind of a big deal. I mean, cause courts had struck down, I mean, state courts had struck down same sex marriage bans in like Hawaii, Massachusetts, uh, other places like that. So that had happened. Uh, I guess if I remember right. And I, I might have a slightly off, but it's the first time a federal court had struck down a state same-sex marriage ban. Um, there I think we go. Thing. And uh, they did get it in at an interesting time. I think it was influential because the two major cases of Windsor and Obergefell, um, I think they were both after it, or maybe one was before. I can't remember, but it was right <laughs> when those things were happening. I guess I could have done my homework. And so it seems like it really did give... Um, give a legal push and it was risky because if it had gone the other way then uh it would have been ammo for for people trying to say that same-sex marriage bans were constitutional but it was right in that in that uh barrage of of when the courts were finally changing so i guess it was the first time like i say a federal court had struck down a state constitution uh banning same-sex marriage but it I mean, like I said, it's a little gerrymandered, but it's not to say that it wasn't influential too. 
Yeah, I'm still going to say it seemed bigger than what, because I walked away from the movie being like, I don't know how to say this in one sentence to somebody about how big of a deal this is. And maybe that's part of the part of the subject matter problem. Um, I do want to say there was a lot of interesting stuff, especially in the first half, which I think I liked the first half of the movie more than the second half of my honest, because the Mormoniness was pretty good, uh, really good. In fact, I, I loved their smattering of showing church leaders to give their, their talks in the, in general conference. Um, everything from like the 1970s all the way through the 90s and 2000s of, of how they use euphemisms and talk about, and sometimes they're more on the nose on uh, talking about homosexuality and masturbation. And uh, it, it doesn't make the church look good, but it isn't inaccurate either. It's, it's, it's the, it, this is Mormonism, you know, saying that homosexuality um, is first started by masturbation, which leads to exhibitionism, which then leads to becoming gay. And it's like, Okay. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, they have that one where um, Boyd K. Packer, a church leader, is basically, you know, pre, uh, prefiguring punch a Nazi with punch a, punch a gay person. And I, I know, right? And I hate that stuff. I know. It's really bad where he's basically, and he gets laughs from the audience. He's basically saying, hey, if anyone's gay around you as a missionary, um, you know, I'm not I wouldn't saying take- to hit him, but I'm not not saying to hit him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow. Uh, and seeing that on video was kind of just made I don't know I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of who I would would have been 15 20 years ago and and thinking it's funny and not being that bothered by it but this time around I'm like yeah that's not good at all that's (laughs) that that's that's those are my people (laughs) yikes but it was also like 40 years ago I mean not to give them a pass but um I think society's changed a lot in the last 20 30 40 years or however long it was I have no idea I can't remember yeah, but I, I, I thought the editing was quite good with showing like church instructional videos and a lot of those talks and talking about the family, a proclamation of the world, um, and, and just the backdrop of how influential Mormonism really is. Um, I think that speaks volumes. And this is a good, I, I thought this was a good crash course in understanding some of the idiosyncrasies of Mormonism. Because I also go into the history of polygamy and how there's some irony there, obviously, that um, uh, Mormonism is deeply rooted in having to deal with how to define marriage in the first place. And then they sort of don't want to talk about that as they stick to the definition that, that they want it to be, even though they wanted it to be a different definition originally as a religion. So there's some interesting stuff there that almost they could have teased out a little more. Um, but that is a good point. I mean, a lot of Utah history was, hey, government, don't tell us who we can and can't marry. So <laughs> kind of ironic. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, is there anything more to say about the, the, the fight at the end? They, they had these words on the screen and they kind of separated out the movie from, it started with the state, the team, the church, and then the case. And then it ended with the fight. Um, I feel like I want to make a documentary about the documentary. Um, Cause I, I know <laughs> that it took a, a few years to make as, as good documentaries often do take a lot of time, but especially here um i i just it just seemed like mark got kicked out because he was refusing to accept outside help and then the case went on with with the law firm that he actually picked originally which is ironic for him i suppose but um i just wanted to know more about that backstory but i guess they only were able to show as much as they were able to show i don't know yeah well to me i think that it shows a limitation of of following him for the story because 
I just think it was that he wasn't officially in charge of the case, wasn't paying the bills, wasn't a lawyer, wasn't, wasn't one of the plaintiffs. And so um, once the plaintiffs and the money decided to go a different way, well, sorry, dude. Thanks for, thanks for the memories. Yeah, I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit because he did kick it off. It was his baby. He started an organization. But then the movie ends with him at a storage shed. And he's like, you know, I'm 50 whatever years old and I don't own a home and I'm broke. And if, if you ask me if I do it all over again, I don't know. And then it sort of fades to black. And I'm like, like whoa, 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 whoa. Let, there's more to say about that than that. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there is some sort of Greek tragedy here, I guess. But I mean, there's a part of me that's like, but we won and the grownups got involved and money helps and experts solved the problem. Like what, what, what am I feeling bad for? I mean, I feel bad for Mark, but I just feels like, you know, he, yeah, he but I want to, I want to hear more about that. Is it cause he was not recognized enough or because he thought it would help his life more and it made his own personal life worse. I, yeah, that seems like a whole other conversation that I would have loved to have seen. Right. And they just teased it and then, and then ended there. Uh, I guess there was one more text on the screen at the very, very end, which said that, let me just read it here. Five months after the high court's ruling, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints adopted new policies that leave members in same-sex marriages subject to excommunication, as well as forbidding the children of same-sex couples from baptism unless they are 18 and disavow the practice of same-gender cohabitation in marriage. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that was happened. That happened, and the the movie does a good job of suggesting, and and I think convincingly, that it's a direct result of gay marriage just going mainstream because of basically the church dropping the ball in their own backyard, and then this case going all the way to the top and making it seem like gay marriage, you know, is... Well, even before that text, we learn, obviously, on, on... In 2015... Um, June 26, 2015, that same-sex marriage becomes the law of the land um, through the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so I, sorry, I did that a little out of order, but the point being that it's not a coincidence that that happens right after this Utah case, and then that happens right before the Mormon church is like, well, we're going to take matters into our own hands and be super weird and dickish about how we work and live among um, gay people, basically. And uh, I just want to say for the record, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And that is when I officially resigned from the Mormon church. So technically on the books, I'm no longer Mormon. And that's part of the reason. And it was, it was kind of uh, cathartic almost to see it told in this orchestrated procedural way that I knew, but I didn't quite know um, as well as it was outlined here. So kudos to the movie for doing that. Uh, yeah, it did, did put that in, in super greater context. I think that I did learn a lot about the context of just why or how, at least, I don't know why, but church, the Mormon church certainly does seem to have a bug up its ass about homosexuality. That's when sure. a lot of the ugliest things come out. Yeah, well, we could go into that even more, but maybe we should just leave it there. <laughs> well, you get a good idea if you watch this movie. Yeah, you, you really do. Happens. It's a good movie to show to outsiders too. Well, um, before we sign out here, one thing that I want to do here is, uh, is come up with like his top five-ish list that we can place this in context. And for this one, we're going to start with uh, Mormon documentaries. So I want us to take turns nominating uh, a category entrant for the list of uh, Mormon documentaries. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to? 
You, you go first on this one. <laughs> okay. New, Mormon documentaries. First one I'm going to nominate for our list is New York Doll. Oh, right. That is such a good movie. And I totally forgot about it until you just said it. Um, All right. So what's, what's your nomination? <laughs> well, I was going to go with Believer. Because <laughs> okay. we, just, we just saw that on HBO. And that's definitely, uh, yeah, in this category. Okay. Um, I mean, the Church of State, I guess, is already on there. Uh, I'm going to go with the Mormons on PBS in 2007 or whatever. I actually kind of like that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was going to go with meet the Mormons, which is the, the church. <laughs> there I go calling them the church. The, the true church is a movie about Mormons that came out just a couple years ago. Um, but it's actually not a very good movie, um, but I'm just putting it on the list for fun. It'll be at the bottom. It's, it's like the other, the other side. <laughs> and then there's one that I didn't see uh, Mitt. Did you watch Oh, that? yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that. It was all right. It what was... about Mitt Romney that they could only release after he had retired or whatever? Right. It, it showed more about Mitt Romney being quirky and his own, but it, it actually tied it to Mormonism in a way that I, I feel like not everyone would understand. Like, you definitely have to be Mormon, but there's something about Mitt Romney where you're like, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get him and how he grew up Mormon. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, so here's what I propose for the list, and you can tell me how you would rank them, too. For me, I'd go New York Doll, one. Believer, two, even though I haven't seen it. I, I think <laughs> maybe second on the list. Three, The Mormons. Four, Church and State. Five, Mitt. Six, Meet the Mormons. How would yeah. You- oh, I should have taken notes. I would, um, I would put Church and State a lot higher. Um, I think New York Doll, we agree, is the number one in this category. That is uh-huh. an excellent movie. Um, and church and state, you know, higher than believer. That's the question. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to defer to you on this cause I haven't seen believer. I don't know. I, it, 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 I know it's our first one here, but is it cheating to say that it's, they're both number twos. They're, yes, they're co- that's cheating, Bob. If you, if you put them as a tie, then I put believer ahead, even though I just did the tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, because I really think of them so differently. Um, they're complementary in quite a unique way. I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time being put on the spot. I almost want to say, I, I think Church and State might be a better movie. Um, okay. Well, if you're putting one actually ahead, then I will defer to you on that. Okay. Well, I feel like I'm taking a bold stand there. Um, it's happening, people. The list. So do you feel like the Mormons meet or meet the Mormons? How do you rank those ones after? Oh, I think uh, Mitt is probably better than the Mormons. And then okay. Meet the Mormons is definitely at the, at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, again, you've seen Mitt, so I'll have to defer to you on that. That means our list is one, New York Doll, two, Church and State, three, Believer, four, Mitt, five, the Mormons, six, Meet the Mormons. That's your definitive top five-ish list of Mormon documentaries, people. That, that's right. And uh, that last one is kind of a joke, but still, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are we going to spoil next week, Bob? Uh, we you, talked a little bit about what we're working on, but there is one movie we saw together in Portland a few weeks ago. Sorry to bother you. It's uh, very spoiler worthy, that's for sure. And that might be the one. I might need to process that with someone. Yeah, I really feel like we need to deconstruct what happened there because we saw that one together and we both walked out with kind of this glazed look of like, what the, what was that? Um, and it's the kind of movie that it could be fun to tell people how that movie 
went down without them having to actually see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might be interested in that. Oh, Succession, I feel like we need to do pretty soon too, but maybe Succession will be on deck then. Sorry to bother you with Succession on deck. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I just finished it and uh, totally worth spoiling for sure. Cool. Well, there you go. Church and State spoiled and if you listen without watching it first we hope you can now fake it fairly well in whatever social situations you may need to and that is the first episode of practically culture spoiler cast join us next week as we spoil sorry to bother you and we have the usual top five-ish list and chat about what we're watching you can find more from us at practicallyculture.com and in your favorite podcast app like us on facebook follow us on twitter i'm at logan Bo bob's at bob caswell Send us a message. Ask us a question. Let us know you like the show. Come back and get your pop culture spoiled. Thanks for rocking with us. Go out there and have a good one. (laughs) Switching it up. I love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll work on that. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley. And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. If you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? I ain't gonna cry. I ain't gonna cry. I don't know how to pray. I say hallelujah anyway. I ain't gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Not a child, but yet I am not free. Stuck in the miles of somewhere in between. Coming of age in this day and age, it's a long, hard fight. Hey, it's me again. So, one more thing. I have a bit of a self-indulgent plea here at the end. Logan and I are making a push for our podcast to get a little more visibility out there in podcast land, so we'd love it if you could help us out. Everything you just heard about giving Infants on Thrones a five-star rating and a short review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, um, well, if you don't mind, well, please do that, first of all, but also, if you don't mind this once, could you do the same for Practically Culture? We'd love it. We'd love it for you to subscribe, rate, and five-star review us. Oh, and we're on YouTube. Check out Practically Culture on YouTube and subscribe there if you want to see our smiling faces. Okay, with that, let me just say that we're excited to review and spoil many more Mormon and Gentile movies for years to come. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.